All right, we're going to start out. We're going to read John 2, 1 through 11. Everybody knows this. Uh, every time I do a wedding, I want to d- read these scriptures, but I don't because I feel like everybody does it, and I'm, I don't like to do what everybody does. I sort of want to do opposite of what everybody's doing. I have to resist that temptation. Like, well, if everybody's going that way, my automatic is, I'm going to go this way. But that's not always godly to do that. It can be sort of rebellious, but... But this is, this is one of the great stories in the Bible that everybody knows. It's when Jesus turned the water into wine. And I want to read it this morning because I want to talk to you about God's Father's heart. And this is, is one of the first things that Jesus did to reveal the heart of the Father. Uh, and I just, let me just read the, the, read the story. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? That's an interesting statement, isn't it? What does your concern have to do with me? That's a question that sometimes we wonder if God, you know, is thinking about our concerns. We're going to find out he's very much interested in our concerns. And that's really what God, one of the things the Lord wants to reveal to us, that he's concerned about our concerns. Okay? He said, my hour has not yet come. His mother, yeah, she's a good gal. Hey, she's a persistent woman. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That's good counsel. Whatever he says to you, do it. So we can take that this morning and walk out of here and just do that the rest of our life. Everything's going to be okay. Whatever he says, just do it. Uh, now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, that's kind of important, Servants get in on stuff. When we're really serving the Lord, I'm not talking about being just crummy servants and servants because we had to, but when we really have this servant's heart, God will let us in on stuff he's doing. (laughs) Nobody knew what was happening there, but the servants did. They were in on the inside track with Jesus. So if you want to be on the inside, you know, the inner circle, this servant's heart, this humility thing is really what will get you in there. With him, You don't have to be great. In fact, don't be great. Be a servant. They're the ones who are on the inside. Uh, and the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, you know, in other words, when they got a little topsy, uh, well drunk, and that was a nice way of saying they're, they're so well drunk that when you put the, then you put the inferior out. Uh, so they won't know that you slipped the bad stuff in on them. You have kept the good wine until now. And this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him in him. So it was a sign about the extravagant heart of God. That's what Jesus, that was the first thing he wanted to do. He wanted to tell the world that he was extravagant beyond measure. And that he he has this he wants to extravagantly do things he wants to extravagantly transform our lives, and he used this to show how glorious this this extravagance is. Another, if you think about some of the miracles of Jesus, like when he fed the multitude with the miracles, he had leftovers. 
I mean, he didn't do just enough to take care of everybody's needs. He took a bunch of leftover probably to give to his disciples to have lunch the next day. There's above and beyond this abundance that God wants us to see about himself, that he's an abundant God, and he abundantly answers our question. He abundantly answers our prayers, and he wants to do more than we could ask or think. That's the mindset that Jesus wants to attack in the church, the mindset that we don't believe that really deep down in our hearts, that God himself, the Father's heaven, is extravagant, and he wants to extravagantly bless us, and he wants to extravagantly transform our, our lives. It's, uh, Matt, I don't have that up there, but Matthew seven eleven says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? How much more will the Father in heaven give you things that you ask for? But many of us have this mindset, you know, God hasn't answered my prayers. And we have this view of God, this belief about God that's blocking us from being able to walk in all the fullness that God has. There really is an anointing for healing being released in the earth today. You hear about it all over the place now. I hear about it from, you know, one guy who was going through this list of all the people he's prayed for that's been healed recently. There's an anointing for healing right now. Now, many people may not really believe that, but I'll tell you, God's extravagant. And right now, He's extravagantly releasing healing. And anybody can pray. Uh, my daughter, she had a stress fracture in her foot, diagnosed as a stress fracture. She had an appointment to go to the doctor to get that. Her husband laid hands on her foot and prayed for her, and her, her foot was 100% healed. It wasn't at church. Huh? Yeah, it was, it was at home. He just laid hands and put his hands on her foot and asked the father to heal Grace's foot, and her foot was instantly healed. She got up the next morning and healed. And, uh, and then he said he prayed for this other woman's foot, and the Lord didn't heal her. It's like, well, God healed. God wants to heal people, and there's a release of this anointing right now. So I really, if you want to see people healed, every sick person, every person has a need, put your hands on them if they'll let you. Ask them. Most people will. Can I pray for you? Can I put my hands on you? You know, if they're strangers or something. And just pray, God. Just pray your kingdom come. Lord, help them. Heal them. Touch them. Fill them up. Because God's being extravagant. Let's, I'm going to look at Luke 15, 17. And uh, let's just read that. Of course, this is in the middle of the prodigal son. And see, I would like to say to us, many times we have this prodigal mentality in our hearts. In other words, we're out here in the, we're living here in the world... Okay, uh, deprived, really. Christianity is deprived, I feel like. That's sort of the picture of Christianity as a whole, that we are not really having all that God has for them. So this guy had this revelation one day. He says, he, you know, he had done, he had lived in sin, he had messed up his life, okay, and, he, and suddenly he got this revelation. He said, he, he came to himself, and we need to pray that we would come to ourselves and begin to see the reality of what God has. And he said this, How many of my father's hired servants have a bread enough to spare, and I'm perishing with hunger? They have more than enough, and I, I'm dying of hunger. And so there's lots of Christians in the world today that feel like they're just dying. They, 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 they feel deprived. They feel like, where's God in my life? Why isn't God meeting me? Why don't I sense God? You know, just make the list, whatever it applies and, and there's other people that are just, you know, they have an abundance. Let me read to you what the literal Greek of that, if you was a Greek person and you could read Greek, this is what it says. My father's hired servants have loaves abounding. 
My father's hired servants have loaves abounding, and I with famine am perishing. And I think that's what, you know, one of the key learnings out of that whole story that Jesus told. And he was trying to say, he was trying to get people to see, I'm not talking about just a human family. I'm talking about this is the way Christianity is meant to be. My father has an abundance in his house. And, and, and people who, are, who have connected themselves into the Father's and who truly have, there's an abundance in their life. You and I can have an abundance. We're being robbed. We're living, we're living much lower than we should because God has more for us. Can we believe that God has more for us today? Can we believe that we've reached the pinnacle? That we're walking in the fullness? If we're walking in fullness, then we have a very sad God. We have a poor daddy if we're walking in fullness, I would like to say to you. We have a real poor daddy, but we don't have a poor daddy. We have a very abundant daddy. And the problem is not on his end. He has made himself available to us. He's opened his heart. He's opened his home. He's opened his treasure chest to us. And he's just looking for people who, just like this, this young man, he, who just says, look, this is ridiculous. Why should I live the, the low-level Christian life that I'm living when I can live in an abundance? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's why Jesus did that miracle. That's why he turned water into wine, to get people to see you're not seeing the Father the way he really is. Okay? Are y'all good? Now let's read Matthew 11, 11 through 12. So I'm just put that thought out there. Now I want to talk to you about this other thought that I think works against us on this area of abundance. Uh, this is about John the Baptist. You know, I talk... You know, I've been picking on old John here recently about his theology and stuff. He had a great theology uh, if you were an old covenant man. Okay, he had an excellent theology. He was the top one according to Jesus. But anybody in this room who's been born again has is much has living in, should be has according to Jesus we're much greater than him. We have a much greater revelation than John the Baptist. Yet we're still holding on to that John the Baptist. Old Testament thing, I want to tell you. He said, I, Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, everybody say until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, I want to tell you something. Christianity in America, in the world, in many places, believe the last part of this verse that there's a violence, that there's a forcefulness that we have to have to enter into the kingdom because of that one verse. And that's a lie. That's Old Testament. Because he says, until now. Jesus was basically saying, that day, that order is coming, coming to an end. No longer will people have to exact force to enter into the kingdom. No longer will people have to do that. That's Old Testament. In the old days, they had to do that. In the old days, if you were going to get somewhere with God, you had to get with the program. But now you don't have to get with this program anymore. It does no longer has to suffer void. The violence of the kingdom ended. Jesus took the violence of the kingdom and brought it to total fulfillment. He fulfilled the violence. He fulfilled the force on the cross when he was beaten and just, you know, almost, well, he was killed, but just almost had the life snuffed out before he even got to the cross. That was the violence that ended the violence in terms of the kingdom of heaven. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Now, 
Uh, Luke, tw- this is Jesus' heart. This is, this is the New Testament heart. Uh, Luke 12.33, 12.32. Do not fear, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to what? Give you the kingdom. Now, that's New Testament. The Father's heart, the Father gains pleasure like, oh, I have a kingdom. Do you want my kingdom? I'll give it to you. You don't have to fight your way into this kingdom. You don't have to force your way into it. There needs to be no violence in your life. I'm just going to simply give it to you as a gift. It's yours if you want it. You can have it. Now, that's New Testament. Here's another great scripture. Here's how Paul put it. Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or literally transferred. Anybody ever had a transfer on their job? You was working in one department. The boss came to you one day and said, you're working over here with the, you know, with the secretarial pool. I'm going to move you up here to the management pool. I'm going to transfer you out of there and transfer you into place. He's transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That's what the Bible says. He didn't say, you've got to fight your way in there. You've got, to, you've got to climb the ladder to get into this place. You know, like the corporate world, you've got to climb the ladder and step on people and manipulate and you know, compensate and all that stuff. That's not the way the kingdom works. He's given it to us. He's placed us in it. He's transferred it out of this one world into this world. There's no violence there. The violence was on the, at the cross. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Now, I'll tell you this. Our, the church is affected by this kingdom of God suffers violence. Mentality. We're affected by that. It's a seed of destruction in the church. It's a lie for us today. It was true in the Old Covenant. It's not true today. It's been fulfilled at the cross. We don't have to do that. He's done it for us. He has made a way for us to come into the kingdom by gift, by, 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 by love, like the prodigal son. The prodigal son thought he was going to have to jump through hoops with the daddy until he got there. And he was trying to jump through hoops doing all this stuff. And the daddy was having nothing to do with it. He was falling on the sun and weeping on him and loving on him. And saying, get the best. Get my, my robe. Get some sandals. Get a ring. I want this boy. I finally got him home. I don't want to have to deal with all this other negative stuff. I just want to love him and bless him. You're home. You belong here. Come on in. You hear what I'm saying to you? And if you don't believe the church is conveyed by this, start preaching against you know, just violent things and people act violent towards you. All right, now I want to read this. Let me take it a little, little further. Paul helps us, okay? The Apostle Paul is, is genuinely somebody we should follow, okay? Because he said we should. I told you that last week, and I love, I love how the epistles really do explain a lot of what Jesus said. Uh, they, they really do. They sort of explain it and put it like, okay, now this is how you take this. And take it a few steps further. Of Philippians three fourteen through fifteen, and I'm going to do what I never do in this church is I'm going to let you, I'm going to use the nearly inspired version of the Bible, the NIV, which I don't really I'm not a fan, but they they have one word in this that I really love that I'm going to show you this. This is what Paul said. I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me. The word I like here is heavenward. The, the words literally is upward, okay? He uses heavenward, the NIV people, which, you know, is up, heaven's up. God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Uh, no, 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 no. Go back to that. We'll go to that. I mean, I want to talk about that verse a minute because you see, 
I press on. Now, that, let me tell you what that word press on means because we need to understand that in terms of the kingdom being given to us, in terms of us being transferred into the kingdom. We need to understand what is Paul talking about here? I thought God put me in the kingdom. I thought God gave me the kingdom and now here's Paul telling me, all right, this is what you need to do. It, that word press means to pursue, to seek after eagerly, earnestly endeavor to acquire. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm transferring you into the kingdom. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to grovel for it. You don't have to beg for it. It's yours as given. But Paul says, and this is how you need to walk this out. Okay? Although it's been given, it's been, it's been placed in our life as a gift, we've entered into it as a gift, you still need to pursue the kingdom of God because you're not fully, you're not, you don't have, the day you walk into the kingdom, you've just walked in the front door. There is a, an expanse out there of the kingdom. The kingdom is huge. It's not a small thing. And you have to pursue those things. You have to go after those things. You don't have to fight for them. They're there in front of you. We all have had, who've had children understand that when your child is a little baby, you don't let them have access to everything in the house. People put child safety latches for their safety and their protection. In the Old Testament, when, when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan, God told them, listen, I'm not giving you the whole thing at one time. Because if you, because if you did, the wild beast would consume you. You're not ready. You're going to get, you're going to take possession of it. You know, as you walk through this land, you know, everywhere your footsteps, you're going to take possession, take possession, take possession, take possession. You're not going to get it all the first day. Because if you got it all the first day, it would destroy you. And that's what Paul's saying. It's all given to us, but we have to pursue after it to walk into it fully and grow in it and mature in it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Um, Acts, here's another little clue from Paul. He gives us another clue. This is a good one. Acts 14, verse 22. Let's look at that, and we'll come back to this one. Okay, Natasha. Give me Acts 14. Got Natasha back there. I told Natasha, don't go to sleep on me like Drew did. Drew went to sleep back there one time while I was doing it. Just went flat, went to sleep. Was sitting there like this. I had to wake him up. But Natasha told me, hey, Paul was preaching to somebody one time. He fell out of the window and died. I said, I'll take everybody going to sleep like they did with Paul if I can get the anointing that Paul had on his life. Let them fall out, man. We can raise them back up. Anyways, Paul was speaking to these, this church. They were, they were trying to help one. I forget which church it was. It strengthened the souls of the disciples. That's what it says they were doing. Exhorting them to continue the faith and saying, listen to this, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. That's another thing Paul was talking about. We must through these, through these many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So what Paul was saying, he's not saying the kingdom is causing you tribulation. The kingdom is resisting. You know the kingdom is saying, come in, come in. But he is saying this, the world, the flesh, the devil is going to resist the kingdom of heaven. It's going to resist the kingdom of message. It's going to resist you. There's things called the desire for other things, right? There's the deceitfulness of riches, Right? Those are things that war against us. Those are things that pull us away, and that's where the tribulation starts. We're, we're saying, oh, we have this kingdom. Let's pursue the kingdom. We're going to seek first the kingdom, and then your bills are due. You know, you can't pay your rent. Your husband is mad at you. He don't want you pursuing the kingdom. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about. That's what he's saying. You're going to go things through things on, on this earth that are going to fight you and fight the desire for the kingdom to come. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? The kingdom's given to you. The kingdom's in you. You have the kingdom, but the world in your own flesh, your carnal nature, will fight it tooth and nail. It will fight it tooth and nail. And, no, and, and that's why Paul was saying you've got to press into this thing. Because there's a resistance to it. The devil's not going to sit back and... The devil, I'm going to tell you, this is what I know. I know this about the devil by experience. I've always heard it, but I know it by experience now. If you're pressing into the kingdom, all of a sudden the devil's going to get real active in your life. Notice how he got real active when Jesus showed up on the scene. But if you ain't doing nothing, if you're inert as a Christian, the devil don't care nothing about you. He, 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 you're no threat. He he's like, forget him. I, ain't got, I mean, I'm going to go over here and mess with these people because they're, they're going after the kingdom. They're going to wreck some things. They're going to wreck some of my stuff. So it should be no surprise when fiery trials come into our life. The Lord uses them. Okay? The devil's defeated. He's whipped. He's beat. But God's using the devil. He uses him. He uses him to accomplish his purposes. But the devil will get real active in your life. And that's why Paul was saying that. Uh, this is another thing that Jesus says. Jesus said this in John sixteen thirty three: These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Same word that Paul used there, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom. Exact same word. Trouble, pressure. That's what he was saying. In this world, we're going to have trouble and pressure. We're going to have difficulties. And those things are meant to keep us from having and entering in to all that God has for us. So this morning, you may be going through some stuff in your life. Okay? You may be going through some things. You probably are. If you're not, you're gracious, very unusual. You're dead. You should be in a casket. I'm sorry. You should, because we're all going to go through stuff that's going to fight us tooth and nail. It's going to fight us over this kingdom of heaven thing. It's going to distract us. That's the way life is. Jesus promised us that. I wish He wouldn't have. He said, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have pressures, you're going to have difficulties. But be of good cheer. He said, be happy because I've overcome all those things. That's what Jesus said. And I believe what the Lord, the word that was coming out in the worship this morning was excellent. Who wants, to, who wants to be weak? Nobody really wants to be weak. Get right down. Let's get real here. I want to be strong. That's my, my nature. I want to be strong. You know, the, the big the man, you know, have it together. You want to come to church, y'all, you're on fire for God, you got this, you got that, and God is saying, Byron, listen, I care nothing about that. Come to church and be weak and embrace your weaknesses. Because when you're weak, then I'm strong. And I can flow through you. That's really Christianity. That's the bottom line to it. If you're going through some difficulties this morning, get weak. Just say, oh, God, this is tearing me up. I don't feel like worshiping. Great. Byron, great. I don't care about feelings. Great. Embrace your weaknesses. Embrace them. And as you embrace them, I can be strong in your life. Isn't that what Paul taught? Did he? All right. So you understand there's a resistance to us fully entering in the kingdom of heaven. Do you all understand that? 
even though it's been given to us, even though we possess it. Okay, now I'll tell you one thing. The kingdom of heaven has not fully come in the earth realm. It doesn't, that doesn't happen until uh, Revelations 11.15. Y'all, y'all ever read Revelations? Read Revelations. It says the kingdoms of our God have become... The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. That has not happened yet. So when we're praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, really what we want to see, the kingdom to come into this world, in this natural realm... And you happen to be messed up as a Christian, you need for it to come in you more. It needs to be released. It's in you. It needs to be released more in through you. And maybe you're, you know, the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of riches, you know, uh, all these things may be keeping you from fully enter, entering into what God has for you. Are y'all with me? All right, now go back to that verse 15. Uh, I wanted to just hit on that just for a second. Because this is really important. Paul said, I press on towards the goal to, to uh, win the prize which God has called me heavenward. Now that's the focus. Now that should be the focus of our lives. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added unto you. The focus has got to be there, not here. And if our focus is there, then the things here won't destroy us so much. That's what he's saying. And then he makes a statement. And this is a statement every person in this room, if you've been a Christian any time at all, really need to take to heart. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. In other words, he said, your view should not be here. Your focus in life should be there. You should be pursuing that world. That's what he said. The, he- my, the upward call, the heavenly call. That's what Paul said. And if you're mature, you should take a view of those things. Am I getting rambunctious about that? (laughs) Because it makes me happy. Because that's what I want to do with my life. And that's what we need to say to the the believers. Listen, this is a view that the Bible says to take. It should, we should press, be pressing forward upward. We shouldn't be hung up on this earth with all our problems here. Because we're going to have this problem, but Jesus has come, overcome those problems. Let Him overcome those problems through you, but get your eyes there. And if He's telling us to do that, my goodness, there's got to be grace to be able to do that, right? And if, and, and if on some point you think differently, all right, now say so He's making room for people to think differently. Okay? If you think differently about this, uh, that too God will make clear to you. In other words, He's saying God's going to, God's going to get, get after you. He's going to... Yeah, I mean, he, oh my gosh, he will, you know, he will just go and mess with you and mess with you about this stuff. He really will. He won't leave you alone. Suddenly your wife will become real spiritually minded. God, leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. Go to church. Oh, gosh, I don't want to hear about all that. Can I ever escape it? (laughs) You know, and the things you hate sometimes about all this because it doesn't seem to connect with you. The, your best buddy who agreed with you suddenly gets touched by the Lord and they've converted over to that side. I mean, everybody. That's what God's going to do. Everybody's going to be converted over to that. God's going to convert the church into a heaven, heavenly-minded church. That's what He's going to do. A church that's eyes are there. A church that's pursuing the kingdom, knowing we have the kingdom, and knowing there's things here that are resisting us in the kingdom. 
That's what God wants. That's what we must do now. And there's power to do it. Okay. It's time to be done. Let me read three scriptures. Okay. All right. Romans 15, 13. Anybody here? This is, all right, this is what I want to do. Romans 15, 13. I don't have any of these up there. It's about hope. Okay. God wants to help people about hope. And this is what Romans 15, 13 said. Now I'm back to what I originally said. God is extravagant. God is abounding. His world is extravagant and abounding. This world is not so extravagant and abounding. There's a resistance in this world. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Okay? That you may, what? Abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, there's people who have hopelessness on them about stuff, about a situation, about your life. Hopelessness gets in you and it eats at you. And God is saying, I have an abundance of hope I can release into your life. An abundance. I can change your hopelessness into hope. You can wake up in the morning from deep depression like, oh my gosh, the sun finally came out. I'm happy. I'm full of joy. That's what he wants to do because he has an abundance of hope. You know, anybody here suffer with depression? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, I've never been a person. I've only had like two or three bad depressions in my life. One of them was because of a chiropractor, but we won't go into that now. But, you know, your joints do have poison stored in them, and you get your back popped, that poison can mess your mind up. I literally had I got this guy to pop my back one time. He did it for free. I was at this meeting. And I woke up the next morning and I thought, literally, I felt like I was on the edge of hell. There was a deep darkness over me. For no, and I couldn't, why, why am I like this? I'm never like this. And finally, somebody told me, you went to the chiropractor? Oh, heck, that's normal. That's what they said to me. You get depressed at the chiropractor. I said, oh, thank you, God. And I started, poison, get out of me. It mess you up. But I have gotten depressed, okay? And the Lord has delivered me. I'm talking about just gotten depressed in my life and started feeling hopeless about things. And God has delivered me where I went to bed depressed after, being, after a period of time of days of just feeling down and out and depressed. And I woke up the next morning and it was gone. And there was life in me. There was joy in me. And I couldn't tell you, no, and nothing changed. I mean, my, the situations I was depressed and hopeless about, they didn't change. I changed. God released this abundance of hope. So God wants to do that for people. Also, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, this is the Bible, according to the power that works in us. In other words, you have a prayer that may not be getting answered. And the Bible says God wants to do much more than that little prayer you got. Oh yeah, I will answer that prayer, but I've got exceedingly, abundantly more than that. God wants to answer people's prayers, but He wants to tell you this morning. Listen, you're praying for, uh, you're praying for five converts. I've got a hundred and five. I want to use your life in. I'm just using that as an example. Think big in God, and if you are not getting your prayers answered, God wants to answer your prayers but he wants to do more than answer your prayer. This is the Bible. Oh, this is a great one. Say it, Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. All grace. That would be a lot of grace, right? Think about it. All the grace that God has, he's able to, he's able to, to make it 
to, to make it to release it to you. All of it. I mean, I think of all the grace that God has hit us. Can you imagine what it would do to us? I mean, it would probably blow us through the wall. Literally, it would you think somebody's gonna have some manifestations. If all the grace that God had came downloading on you at one time, you would spin around here like a top for days. I mean, we'd have to hold you down. Because grace is huge, man. It's endless. All grace um, abound towards you that you, listen to this, always having all sufficiency in all things. Anybody needs, is there an area in all things? Is there an area in your life where you don't have sufficiency? Relationships, finances, spiritual. I mean, any area, the Bible clearly states God wants to release that to you that you have all sufficiency in all things, but then he really jumps back in here and says, and you may have an abundance for every good work. See, some areas of your life, God is going to say, I'm going to give you the sufficiency that you need in that area of your life. Okay? Whatever that area is. But when it comes to the good works that Christ has foreordained to walk us in, he's saying, hey, there's an abundance available for that. that, that I'm not, it's not just going to be sufficient. It's abundant. It's more than you can consume. It's more than you can take. Okay? You're going to have sufficient money unless you happen to be a person who's called to, your ministry is called to money. If your ministry is called to money, you'll have an abundance of money because that's your ministry to minister money to people. But if, you, if, if that's not your ministry, if your ministry is to have money to live, the sufficient you need, that's what you're going to have. And if your ministry is, is the abundance of it is to, just to pray for the sick, you're going to pray for people and they're going to get healed, they're going to get touched incredibly. You, you see the difference there? One, you're going to have sufficiency. You're going to have all you need is sufficient. The other one, you're going to have an abundance. The things that God's called you to do, an abundance. And God wants to release that, this kind of thinking to us. We don't think like this. We think God is stingy. God don't want to answer my prayer. God's not here for me. Where's God when I need Him? That's a lie from hell. God's saying, no, the Father is abundant. And I have an abundance for you. And your believing rules you, and your believing will keep you out of my abundance. If you'll believe that I'm abundant, and begin to lay hold of the abundance of the Father, we can be like that prodigal son. I'm tired of this low-level living. I'm going for the abundance. Amen? All right, so let's just bring this thing, put these girls back in charge. How y'all like having these women up here? It's great, isn't it? I got some good stuff, man. I I believe this week the Lord spoke to me, and I'm just going to pass it on to you. Is this um, is you know the scripture says that if we seek first the kingdom, then everything will be added to us. And I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me this week about that because um, I believe if we really give our lives to the kingdom and pursuing it in whatever way the Lord is leading each of us individually into it. It's all different for all of us. You know, for me and Byron, it's pastoring and leading you as a body of believers and, and other things, you know, you know, family and situations. Um, but for you, it may be other areas. You know, and you all know what it is, what God has called you to in the, in the kingdom, in the area of the kingdom. And I believe the Lord is saying this, if we will seek Him first, give our lives to Him in that way, then He will. He, there's an assurance that we will have everything that we need. Because sometimes we get to thinking by pursuing and going that we get worn out and we're missing something. But that's just really not the way the kingdom works. 
God will give us everything that we need, everything that we need in our hearts, in our physical situations, with our families, as we truly pursue Him. There is no lack in God. And I believe that's a word from the Lord today for you. That if you will simply set your heart and your affections on things above and going after Him and giving your life whatever way He is asking you to pursue the kingdom and see in the kingdom, then He is going to, everything you need in the earthly realm, that's what I mean, in the earthly realm even, everything you need in your soul realm will be given back. He is not going to let you go without He's really not. And I just want to encourage you with that. The enemy tries to tempt us and tell us we're missing out by pursuing his ways and his kingdom. But that is just really not true. So let's just stand together and let Rhonda pray over us. And we want to get the ministry team up to pray for the sick. God wants to touch sick people. Do not let the devil talk you out of that. He wants to touch you if you're sick. If you're suffering in your soul realm, the Lord wants to break things off of you. He, His salvation is all of it. It is salvation from sin. It's salvation in our souls. And it's salvation in the physical realm. So, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that your kingdom would come, Lord, just into each heart, Lord God, that we would know who you've created us to be, Lord. Lord, that each one of us, Lord God, could begin appreciating the works you've done in us, Lord God. Lord, that we wouldn't long to be like our neighbor, Lord God, or like the one next door, Lord God, but we could know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord God. Just break through, Lord God. I ask for breakthrough today, Lord God. Kingdom breakthrough. Kingdom breakthrough in these lives and these hearts. Kingdom pursuit, Lord God. A kingdom a pressing in, Lord. Lord, that's the word you spoke to me, to press into it, Lord God. Lord, so each one here, Lord God, I pray that pressing in, Lord God, will begin stirring in their spirits, Lord God, right now. Lord, just pressing in, Lord God, stirring in that heart, Lord God, to pursue the kingdom. Pursue all the giftings and the callings and the destiny, Lord God, that's on each life here today, Lord God, that not one, Lord God, would leave feeling like that wasn't for me. I just want to bind that. That's a lie. The word here today is for you. Each one is for you. It's for you. God has a kingdom, a storehouse filled with things for your life and you alone that you can grab hold of today. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your provision and your abundance, Lord. Let's thank you for each one here, Lord God. Bless them, Lord. Bless them this week, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord God, just release, Lord God. Let them know, Lord God, in the small ways that you do of how you are actively participating in their life, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Anybody that wants prayer, we're available up here to pray. And I just encourage you not to leave. If the Lord's really stirring your heart, come up and receive from the Lord.
Discord.